This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. This is a technology show. Honestly, uh, with me, I've got Tim Schwartz. Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. How are you today? I am gorgeous, as always, but you knew that already. I did. Uh, Sean Priest is over there somewhere. Are you eating, Sean? No, surprisingly enough, I am not eating today. I just want to bring it up. That tagline, it's a tech show, honestly. Do, uh, do I get any, um, you know, anything for that? Sorry, I don't know. Something wrong with your microphone. I couldn't quite hear a word you said there. Sorry, I'd get that looked at, actually, if I were you. Um, so anyway, yeah, we've got lots to talk about today on the program. Uh, lots of news. Uh, we're going to be talking about smart padlocks. Yeah, I quite like this. Kind of getting away from the, the smartphone thing. Although I'm sure a smartphone's probably involved in it somewhere. Um, Touch ID is making a return. That's Hooray. interesting. Yay. And um, for those of us out there who like to use WordPress, we do... Um, it's not been the most accessible at recently. Um, I'll be honest, it's not great. Uh, nightmare, yeah. I think the actual phrase is. It's been a nightmare. It's had its moments, let's just say, where I've wanted to throw it to the computer and indeed everything else on my table, including the table, out of the window. Um, Use your error. Well, you say that. Look, just, look, we know you've got a solution to it, but it's not the solution I'm talking about. I know, I know. I like this solution too. This is this is nice. Well, we're going to talk about your solution because I think that actually bypasses a lot of these issues. Um, so we'll get to that. But uh, we're also going to be talking today about uh, Android Q, which now becomes 10. Uh, yeah, they've made a big move towards a new name and they've given it a number. Terrible move. The only interesting naming scheme in tech. And now they've ruined it. And there's got to be a dessert out there that starts with the letter Q. I think actually a year or so ago we found one. I don't recall what it was, but I think Stephen found one. Ooh. Yeah, I did. I did find one. You're right. And it was, was sounded awful. It was, yes. Uh, and, you know, we could barely say it, never mind eat it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, what they do is they, they kind of name they name them after desserts, don't they? So up until now, we've had all kinds of weird names. Kit Kat, uh, what was it? Marshmallow. Uh, these are strange desserts, if you ask me. You should but, know all um, these by by heart, Stephen. I, I should, yeah, I know. Cupcake, I should, I should be able to jelly bean, ice cream. But these aren't desserts. Who has a jelly bean for dessert? What kind of maniac does that? It's sweets. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. Um, well, anyway, they've, they've ditched the whole thing, which is kind of annoying. So we're going to get into that in a bit more detail. Um, I want to just start, though, uh, with a story that I, I spotted as we were starting the show about, um, and this has been in the news already, about batteries in MacBooks. Those of you out there who've got MacBooks, just be careful with these. Um, make sure that you uh, get onto Apple's website and make sure that the battery you have in your MacBook Pro, I think it's one's around about 2015 age, um, that are being checked because the batteries, apparently this tendency of just you know exploding. Um, and... Obviously, some of the airlines, they're not too keen on exploding things on planes. I'm, I'm, I'm no expert on air travel, but I think things <laughs> blowing up on board generally is bad. So, um, you know, for that reason, airlines are, are banning, in some cases, uh, people bringing on their MacBooks. In fact, some airlines have banned all MacBooks from checked baggage over these battery concerns. Virgin Australia, for example, being one that will not allow them as uh, checked luggage, uh, Singapore Airlines, Thai Airways as well, 
Um, so, you know, this is something to be aware of. And you can go to the website, 15-inch uh, MacBook Pro model sold between September 2015, February 2017, uh, must be checked. And, of course, this was all done and uh, this particular recall uh, from Apple was uh, brought out in response to the built-in battery, uh, forming a, as they call it, potential fire hazard, which, uh, you know, we're not all that keen on. <sighs> not again. I mean, this sounds horrific. I mean, why is this? Is it because of a a fault in the battery as it was shipped? Is it a degradation over time? Well, ultimately, it, it is a fault in the battery. And these, these batteries have been around for a while, obviously. Um, so that's, you know, interesting that it's taken a while to get to this point. Um, the good news is, if you have been, in, if you are impacted or you think you might be, uh, there's a couple of things you can do. Go to the Apple logo in the top left corner or uh, VO and M to get you to the menu. Uh, then go to About This Mac. And if you get a, you'll get up at, at that point a, a kind of detail of what the Mac is, is, what age it is and all the rest. If you see something like MacBook Pro Retina 15-inch mid-2015, you need to copy the serial number, which is also on that window, uh, to Apple's retail recall page. What that will do is it will tell you if it's eligible for a free battery replacement, and if it is, then pop along to an Apple store. The company will do the rest. Now, I will tell you guys, I am recording uh, this conversation on uh, a MacBook Pro 2015 mid-range, um, and I have checked it, and the good news is I'm not going to explode today. Well, at least not your hardware, and that's good. That's good to know. But that's uh, that is a serious issue. I mean, yeah. taking away the air travel aspect of it, you know, we're in this situation again of having um, potentially dangerous batteries in your home. Yeah, it's kind of alarming, quite honestly, the last several years that we keep seeing these kind of stories. When we saw, what was it, the Samsung Galaxy, was it the S8, I yeah, think, that had the right. blowing up problems? Mm-hmm. And then it was hoverboards, and, and airlines were banning hoverboards yeah, because they exploded. Right. And I'm like, you know, eh, Android phone, Samsung, eh, not not me, No, I'm okay. Hoverboards, no, if you see me on a hoverboard, something's wrong, so no, not me. Well, now we're getting to, to MacBook Pros, and this could potentially, I'm not saying it is in other laptops, but you, you never know where these things end up. So now it's getting a bit more uh, scary. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit more alarmed by this. Now, I think it's important to say that the, the general, I mean, okay, look, a battery exploding in any device is never good news. Uh, and obviously on a plane, it's, it's all to do with the fact it's not so much that the, the actual device will explode and, you know, that's it for everyone on board. Um, I don't think it's quite as bad as that. I think it's ultimately down to air pressure. And, you know, I mean, again, I'm not an aviation expert by any stretch. And that no. may become clear. Uh, but ultimately, I think that kind of thing happening in a confined space is not great. Um, so... For that reason, obviously, airlines are being very cautious about this. And it was the same with smartphones. You know, you don't want them. They could potentially cause a fire risk on board if, for example, you were, if the phone were to explode in your hand and you dropped it, as is likely you will, as I don't know about you, I tend not to hold on to burning things. Um, (laughs) Drop it? I'd be throwing it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Throw it to someone else. Um, Potato. Yeah, you you have this. Um, but, But I... I just think it's, um, I don't know, it's just a really strange one with this. And, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, we're seeing more and more of it. Is it partly driven by the fact that we are pushing our machines so far these days? We demand so much more. Um, Because this is always going to be the problem, isn't it? Batteries will heat up. This is what they do. And we've never really gotten to a point where the batteries can perform to the level we want 
and be safe enough. And that certainly seems to be the case with a lot of tech now. Well, we're packing more and more energy into a smaller package. Mm. You know, the thin iPhones, the, the, well, the smartphones in general, getting as thin as possible. And it's the same with laptops, ultrabooks. Um, there is a limit now on how much um, kilowatt hours you can uh, put on to a battery and take that into a plane. Um, I can't remember what it is, but there is a limit to that. So the, the amount of energy that we're demanding from these batteries, you know, and the amount of batteries that we're consuming now, everything has a, a battery. So, uh, yeah, I can see this becoming more and more of an issue, but I don't know. I suppose it's something we've got to come to expect. Yeah, but that issue you're talking about there, Tim, was that not to do with terrorism? You know, if, if there were concerns around if you had a completely flat laptop, the battery was dead in it that, you know, there could be a risk that, you know, there's other nefarious stuff going on. Um, and there was worry that people might be using a laptop as a, as a essentially as a bomb. And that was why they, they weren't keen on bringing those on. So you had to have a certain amount of charge in your device. Is that not the reason? Yeah, that that is a, a lot of the reason, I think, because it is something that could be easily done. If you want to cause harm, you will find a way to cause harm. Mm. And for, for someone with bad intentions, they could look at something like this and say, aha, this is this is a way that I can get some sort of an explosive uh, on board an airplane. So yeah, the, they've unfortunately, they've got to put certain parameters in place when it comes to this. You know, some other things we could debate all day on whether they're really reasonable or, or you know necessary. But something like this, yeah, it, you've got to put a parameter on this, especially when it comes to travel and, and airlines and things like that. Because, yes, someone with bad intentions, a terrorist, they will find a way to make this work for them if they can. Um, listen, can we talk about Touch ID? Because apparently Touch ID is coming back. Oh, oh about time. Oh, Yay. I'm excited about this. And I'll tell you why. Because Apple are doing this at last again. Uh, I have a Samsung S10 phone. Um, and this will surprise you. It will shock you. It will horrify you. You'll be horrified. <laughs> You're building um, this up. This better be good. I am building this up. I hope it's good as, as I hope it is. Um, but so so there I am. I'm sitting here with my Samsung S10, and I'm showing my friend how wonderful it is to have Touch ID built into the screen, which is how it works. Now, there are some accessibility issues, for example. You don't really get much of a guidance as to where to place your finger or your thumb. Um, so that's a bit of an issue when you're trying to use the device and, and get logged back in. But it does actually have Face ID built in as well. So, you know, you have two options. However, my friend picks up my Samsung. The phone is locked. And he looks at the phone. And, of course, it says, no idea who it is. And he's like, oh, that's good. That's good. Face ID works really well. He's, I'll just try the Touch ID sensor. And it let him in. No. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Wow, that's, so that's, that's a shocker. <laughs> that's not good. No. Um, now, Touch ID, as far as I'm aware, that's not happened. If it has, I'm not aware of it unless you've you know chopped off someone's hand and you know even oh, you no. don't you can even do that. I'm sure it has. Let's not get carried away. Well, not chop people's hands off. I'm not <laughs> no, suggesting. No. It's not a hundred percent. So I'm sure it has happened. At I don't some think point. anything's a hundred percent. But even yeah. Face ID, when it first came out, you had siblings or family members that looked alike that were able to get past it. I, th I think they've patched most of that issue, but I, I don't really ever hear anything about Touch ID being able to be used that way. No. Well, this is one of the things in this article. It's talking about the fact that. Since Face ID came out, a lot of people are still saying, "Yeah, I would like Touch ID back." And I don't, I don't know what it is. I just, I'm the same. I don't. I think from a VI point of view, I think from our perspective, 
Um, Face ID is a bit irritating. I tend to live with my phone up to my ear a lot of the time, trying to hear what it's saying. <laughs> and the problem is that when it, when, you, when it'll say, you know, oh, Face ID, you're not recognised when you're trying to get, oh, yeah, hang on a minute. And then you put your face in front of it, and at that point, it's it's kind of lost interest in you. And it's like, mm, right, whatever. It just sits there. And then you have to maybe wait for it to do it again. Sometimes it will. Sometimes it won't. Other times you've got to do the try again. So you've got to listen again very closely. And then you've got to get to the button and double tap and hope it works. And then at the end, you just want to throw the thing out the window. Um, I don't know. I, I, I throw a lot of technology yeah, out of windows. You can probably guess. <laughs> like Keith yes. Richards in tech. <laughs> I think the technical term is a kerfuffle. That sounds oh, like a real yes. kerfuffle because that's the whole point. Face ID, yes, it works well. Yes, apparently it's more secure, but you've got to look at your phone. I mean, who wants to do that? It's, it's so much hard work. But it, it sounds ridiculous, but it is. It, it, it's different to how you use Touch ID, which was really convenient and works really well. Now, I think the best thing would be to have both of them. Uh, the yeah. security of... Uh, face ID and the convenience of touch ID, but having those two together would be amazing. But Tim, the, the interesting thing here about this is that it's not going to involve a button, is it? No, reports and leaks and rumors are all saying that it's going to be built into the screen, so a special kind of new glass that uh, Apple's going to be implementing, and it will be supposedly uh, available anywhere that you touch on the screen, so it doesn't matter where you touch. There's not going to be a special home button area or a circle. You can just touch anywhere, and it will unlock. And, and for someone like me, like you guys were saying, I actually... I would say 90% of the time, my wife would say 100% of the time, I have a Bluetooth in my ear. So mm. I have my phone in my pocket. I can unlock it really quick. Or if it's sitting next to me on a table or a desk or whatever, I can just reach over with, with Touch ID, put my finger on there and open it. And away I go. I don't have to p- pick it up and, and put it in front of my face with Face ID, uh, you know, at least right now with the iPhone 7. And so I love being able to use Touch ID that way because I can hear it in my ear, my Bluetooth. I don't have to be having it you know, right in front of my face. And I, I will miss Touch ID if I got rid of my iPhone 7. This news actually has made me think again or think twice about getting an upgrade this year to whatever, you know, the iPhone 11 or whatever it'll be next month. If I upgrade at all, it might be to like an iPhone 8 that I think still has the Touch ID, right? Yeah, iPhone 8 does. Yeah. And just do that because this news, apparently, Apple isn't going to do this until 2021. Yeah, although I, I just have to say on this um, that the person behind this, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, this is via a 95 Mac. Apparently, the claims are that this future Touch ID sensor can't believe I'm going to say this, will probably be based on the same kind of tech, the ultrasonic fingerprint readers, which are similar to what Samsung uses in the Galaxy S10. Uh, okay, well, hopefully they iron out the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's a software issue. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I think this is, is really good. But when do you jump in, Tim? That's the trouble. We're always holding back. And I, I'm doing the same sort of thing. I really need a new uh, iPhone. Okay, I'm loving the Android. Yeah, you're still. behind oh, me, right? Wait, wait no, wait, wait, wait. Yes, but you know, I've got a duty to be up on these things, and my 6s is dying, so I do need a new iPhone. But do I wait? Because I really want USB-C. Now that's not going to happen this year, so we're hearing, but they're saying it will happen next year. So there's always that. Oh, let's wait a year. I, I don't know. At some point, you just got to bite the bullet and jump in. I think at this point, for me, because I was so ready to upgrade this year just because i've got the iphone 7 been waiting and waiting 
with this news though and with the the, the news about USB-C I might just wait till 2021 get like I said maybe if I upgrade it all get the iPhone 8 and that way I can have a, a nice good solid phone with touch ID for the next two years and then upgrade again because that one should have USB-C and the touch ID and whatever other new fancy features for me personally with where I'm at I think that's a better way to go. If I was at a 6 or a 6S still, yeah, I could see the point in maybe trying to just go ahead and upgrade this year. Quick a final point on this story uh, to add, and uh, this is actually what's making people think it's more likely to happen, that Touch ID could make its way back. Actually, because of the Apple Watch, one of the big issues is how can you authenticate using, say, the Apple Watch for something like um Apple Pay when you're out and about you know if you if you are in a position where like I would like to get to next year where I have a cellular Apple Watch and not a, a watch that's dependent completely on the iPhone um when it comes to Apple Pay how does that work I mean I know authent- I know it can authenticate uh, via the phone just now but if it's completely on its own how does that work so I'm quite keen on this idea and also you know the idea of being able to log into things just by touching your wrist that's quite nice, actually. So, yeah, um, you can see all the benefits. Yeah, if they could bring this technology to the screen of an Apple Watch as well, where you could just put your thumb or finger down on your Apple Watch screen, that would be fantastic. And, yeah, with them making a bigger push for the Apple Watch to be separated from an iPhone, they're doing that here in the next Watch OS and iOS. They're, they're separating the App Store, for example, uh, to, to be only, well, not only, but be separately available on the Apple Watch. So, yeah, that would be something that would be incredible to add to the Apple Watch. Tim, tell us about the KuGeek Bluetooth lock. We're talking about Touch ID here. Um, tell us about this. This sounds incredible. Who? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a mouthful to try and say. I'm glad you I don't even know if that is right, to be honest. I just went with it. I just thought, Could let's be. go with it. KuGeek sounds a bit Scottish to me, but okay. <laughs> Everything sounds a bit Scottish to you. Um, so as I was perusing <laughs> the technology stories, I came across this article talking about this fantastic smart lock and i'm like okay i'll bite Let, let's see what this is all about because i was hopeful that it would be what it turned out to be because you know when i was younger and i had vision of course you know having a padlock with a spin you know combination dial on it or even even the ones that you push in buttons and have to have a combination for for the buttons and all that i, I could use those perfectly when i had vision and i'm sure now if i tried one that would spin would obviously be impossible. Uh, one with push buttons is probably a little easier. But this one, I think, would be fantastic for people that are blind and visually impaired because you unlock it. Again, like you said, speaking of Touch ID, it has a fingerprint scanner on it. So you unlock it with your fingerprint. And this is all set up and paired with your iPhone and Siri. So you could actually ask your phone to unlock this padlock. You set up the thumbprint uh, with an app through your uh, iPhone and it's all, you know, built into this padlock. And I, I might have to actually get me one of these. I, I really like the idea of this, not just for the security purposes, but for the accidental accessibility, quite honestly. Ah, oh, that sounds good. That's the kind of thing I imagine Sean would buy for his shed. Now then. You know me, I am the king of smart tech. I love it. Smart speakers, smart toilets, smart doorbells, anything I love. Smart toilet. Well, I, I would, you know, that's the dream. <laughs> but this sounds absolutely terrible. What a terrible oh, idea. Oh, what on. is the point of this? 
think he just told you. Well, yeah, I you believe be- I just told you, Sean. Yes, but listen, Have you ever, listen. with low vision or no vision, tried to spin a combination on one of those padlocks? Can you see those numbers and know what you're what you're doing? No, I cannot. So I use one with a key, which is far yeah. easier. How expensive are these? So if you smart lose the key or someone steals the key, yes. Hmm. Yes. Or you break the key. Or you break the key. So yes. No. Stop it. Look. This is totally keyless. You don't have to worry about there being a key. Yes, you don't. That's a good point. Well done. I take it all back. No. How expensive is this thing? <laughs> well, okay. So the price is fifty five dollars US. <laughs> exactly. And look, yeah, this is not bad. No, no, oh yeah, it's beautiful. Look, the whole point is, these have been around actually for a while. The Yale have uh, one similar let's get again it's got a fingerprint sensor on it but i get it it's cool and the idea is great but the price point of these when you compare it just to a normal key padlock i I just honestly don't get it because you can still just hit these with a hammer and break them off the the tech doesn't improve anything (laughs) well okay then yeah but yeah, but if if you take that assumption, it's a bit like saying, well, there's no point putting any locks on my door because someone could just boot the door in and, you know, steal all my no, stuff. there comes a point where adding the smart technology side to it, what does that actually bring to the table? I, I don't see how this improves the product. I'm going to tell you. I'll answer that question, Tim. I'll hold him back. I'll, 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 <laughs> all right, I'll hold him down. Right. I'll pin him while you, okay. while you take him. It's, it's really easy, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any addition. There's not really any benefit to it. It just is cool. Um, I, want to, I want to say to my gardener guy, I want to say, right, do you know what? I don't want you to use a key to get into my garden. I want you to use my, what is it called, Bluetooth lock from Coogee. <laughs> Um, I want to use that, and I want you to get your your finger out and and do and get some work done while you're at it. Um, so yeah, you know that's why I just want the coolness of it. Yes, and I think that's I think it's well. Look, I've got no problem from that point of view. If it's just techy geekness, then fine, go for it. But I'm not entirely sure how. It's, it's, don't get lured into a full sense of security with this. It's not going to be any more secure. But now, Mate, Sean, you, yeah, we, you have a ring doorbell, yeah. correct? I do. Yes. And you love your ring doorbell. I do, yes. And you love the security that it provides to you and your family. Mm, security, maybe. No. Ah, uh, well, uh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. I said it's backpedaling. No, I'm not So what if I just walked up to your, your mm. front door, mm. to your ring doorbell, mm. Mm. and just put a big piece of tape over the camera and you couldn't see me anymore? Uh, I just eliminated I you your $300 ring doorbell. But I'm blind, so I can't see you anyway. I listen to you. Oh, but, uh, <clears> So then what is... Oh. The point is, right, no, look, a normal look, door... Look, never mind no, this. Uh, never no. mind this. Let's move on, because I want to talk about Gutenberg <laughs> before be the break. Let um, me talk. So, I want to talk about Gutenberg. Uh, WordPress <laughs> is in the news this week. Because, hold him down, Tim. Um, I'm going to put a Bluetooth padlock so, on him and lock him up. Can we put some tape over <laughs> yes, his mouth? Yes, please. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about Gutenberg, which is WordPress, right? So, WordPress uh, uses a system now called Gutenberg. It used to have a kind of classic editor when you were doing websites. And for the most part, I think we can all agree WordPress is probably the most accessible way to build a website. Beautiful. Yep. It is. But uh, they brought out this thing called Project Gutenberg, which is essentially a, a different type of editor, which has a few issues when it comes to accessibility. Horrendous. Um, it is pretty bad, isn't it? So um, we've all been trying to use it and being a bit, getting a bit deflated by the whole thing. Um, mind you, in some ways, I wish I could be deflated. It certainly save me trying to lose weight any other way. Oh, well um, done. But yes, yeah, so I took that, <laughs> that angle. Um, but anyway, the good news is version 6.3 is coming soon. It's not out yet, but the version of 6.3 of Gutenberg, the plugin, 
will introduce new navigation and editor modes to address long-standing problems relating to using the uh, what they call the block UI, which is essentially a new way of entering text. Instead of just having a big text box that you fill everything in, you get blocks now, which could be paragraphs, it could be YouTube videos, whatever content you want to put in there. Uh, and that's it could be been, annoying, yes. It, well, it, it's, it's a really complicated thing with a screen reader, isn't it? Um, yeah. Now, you don't use that. You use your phone, Tim, and you use a Bluetooth keyboard, don't you? So you kind of beat us all at it um, with that. Yeah, I do my best because the classic editor, like you mentioned, for WordPress was pretty good on the web. Gutenberg, as a editor, has been around in its own kind of separate form for a while. Mm. I never did use it, so I don't know what its accessibility or lack thereof was before this. But yeah, the implementation into WordPress it's just not good because no matter what screen reader you used, and I've tried three different ones, you have to open up the block. And then once the block is open, then you have to find the information you're looking for within that block and try to edit it. And even doing all that is not accessible all that much, quite honestly. So yeah, what I've done is either revert to the classic, which you could do for a while. I don't know if you still can or not, but I've, I've given up on that even because yes, like you said, I use the app on my iPhone and with that, I either, like you said, use a Bluetooth keyboard or just type on screen or even just dictate uh, any of those three ways because the boxes in the app are perfectly accessible. You've got the title box where you can enter in whatever the title uh, of the, of the uh, blog post or whatever it is you're putting up is. And then you know, the next box below that is the body of the article that you're typing. And then once you're finished with that, if you want to highlight something to make it a link or to bold it or italic or anything like that, all of that is available right there on screen as well. And you just flick into those and, and it's really easy to do. So for me, I've been getting around the Gutenberg problem just using the app. But with this next update, I am very interested to see how or if it will be better accessible well it's all going to work via the keyboard uh, which is the way we expect it to work it will allow you to move from block to block using a single tab press you'll then use the arrow keys that will help you navigate between the blocks and then once you reach the block you want to edit just enter edit mode by hitting the enter key and the escape key will move you back to the navigation mode so a simple clear method of moving around these different blocks which has as i say replaced the standard editor where you could just add an image or do whatever you wanted to do in theory this should make it a lot easier it's not going to be out yet still testing going on at the moment and hopefully it will sort out all of these problems because i mean even just trying to put in a simple paragraph document was really complicated they're also going to add other things including support for text alignments and table block columns border color support um, and also improvements to uh, other ways to to see and preview content as well if you are uh, blind so lots of good stuff to come on that uh, stick around because we are going to be talking about well lots more to come actually on the show today we're going to be uh, talking uh, about android q becoming 10 sean's going to be looking at some of the new features of android q and we've got your emails coming up it's double tap canada double tap canada Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. This is Double Tap Canada. It's Stephen, Sean, and Tim, as always, with you. And we're going through uh, some emails because uh, we've got so many emails and calls as well. And uh, our first call is from Michael. Hi, Michael. Hey, this is Double Tap Canada. And Sean, Tim, and Stephen. Not yes. Scott, Stephen. Wanted to leave you guys a quick <laughs> message. Uh, really appreciated your feedback. And this time it'll actually be quick. Of course, you can use it on the air. Uh, one 
thing that I'm curious about from all of you amazing individuals, all three of you are awesome. Yep, Thank yep. Or play the play the blow up the balloon sound right there. Big heads, you know. Wanted to ask, can the three of you let us know what specific equipment each of you are using in your in-home studio? Because we all know, well, let me rephrase that. We all should know, if you guys weren't aware, Stephen, Sean, and Tim, they don't travel every week to go to the same exact place. <laughs> or you. if you've already discussed this information, <laughs> let us know what episode to listen to. But they do sound like they're in the same location. So I'm curious, what technologies, both hardware and software, are you guys using to make your show come together? Hope you guys are having an amazing one, and maybe this will help come uh, and follow up with the question that I asked Scott, I mean, Stephen, I mean, whatever his name is, last week. Uh, looking forward to next week's episode. Just got done catching up. So hope you guys are doing awesome, and I guess I should probably go to yeah. work. Yeah. Maybe. Definitely. Probably. Do that. Do that, Michael. Get to work, for goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I can't even remember the question you asked me last week. Maybe the guys will remember. Because um, I don't think I was here that week when you asked the question. So how am I supposed to know? Come on, guys. What what did he ask? Well, you could try listening to the show. I know that's a novel How uh, dare prospect. you? Yeah, what an idea. <laughs> how dare you? Of I course Michael I don't was... listen. I think we used that joke last week as well. Um... <laughs> Michael was asking what was access... accessible studio uh, <laughs> equipment you use in your actual proper studio. Oh, yes, the, the, in the, the other job. Um, the, yes, yes, in the, the auto- radio Automation station. tools you may use that might be accessible. Yes, that's right. I was going to answer this question last week, but those guys wouldn't let me. Um, so, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Unbelievable. Gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, right. Well, um, the short answer is not many um, because, well, it's a bit difficult when it comes to radio automation. So there, I'm going to sort of very quickly give you an answer to this, which is that the radio station that, that I do stuff with in the UK um, they use a product called RCS, which is uh, Radio Computing Services. It's a very high-quality, uh, very reliable play-out system, but it does require sighted assistance. Um, so it's not the best for, for that. And, and all Ooh. of the presenters... Yeah, well, this, this is the thing. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to if you're a you know full-time radio service, you've got to think about what is the best technology to use to keep you on the air, right? Uh, so that's what they do. And that's what they use. And actually, it was recommended by me. So, you know, um, blind people unite. Unbelievable. However, if you are looking for something that is uh, similar to that, uh, there is a product out there called Station Playlist. And that is probably the most accessible um, playout system. I've never really got my head around it, but I've never really needed to. Um, But ultimately, it's it's from what I understand, a fully accessible playout system for radio stations to use, and, and it could be any station size, really, internet radio, uh, bedroom FM, your favourite songs, or, you know, <laughs> just, you know, but, but you know, running a multinational radio station, whatever you want to do, um, it would essentially do the job. Um, but, yeah, getting back to my studio here, and our studios, essentially, because, yeah, you're right, I mean, Michael, it's no joke that we're all sitting here, you know, Tim flies into Scotland every single week to do the show. I mean, I'm <sighs> sure you'd quite like that, Tim. That would be fantastic. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. So no. don't get the idea in your head. Um, and Sean will never leave his shed. So you nope. know, that's just, I don't think he ever has left. I want to know, though, why, why is it that we would have to fly to Scotland? Why can't you guys just fly here? How dare you? Oh, that's a ridiculous idea. Uh, that's okay. I don't want to be here most of the time either. So 
Isn't it, isn't it warm there? It is quite warm. <laughs> yes. yeah, I don't want to be there. I struggle enough in the heat in this country. Um, so, no, we, we don't travel, but we do uh, all have home studios, essentially, and that's what we work out of. Um, so I'm sitting here with my little microphone. I've got a Sennheiser microphone, which is plugged into my mixing desk. And I chose, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but I mentioned the Allen and Heath mixer. I chose it because it's very tactile. I love it. It's got lots of buttons on it. Everything's analog, which I love because analog means buttons, no touch screens, none of that. If something doesn't work, you you know turn up a knob or you pull up a fader or whatever it is, and it just it does what you need it to do, um, and that's fine. That's all running into my MacBook, which has got uh, Audacity on it, and that's what I used to record, and um, that's kind of it really. And and we get together on a platform called Zoom, uh, and Zoom is it's kind of like Skype. And I bet Zoom hate hearing that every single time it's referred to. It's just like Skype. Um, but as but we found, it's is, better. Yeah, We do think it's better. I think it's brilliant. Um, and the way we all sound close together, should we give away the state secrets? Oh, well, why not? We're doing it anyway. Um, <laughs> we all sound as, as good as we do because we're brilliant, obviously. <laughs> but ultimately, it's down to two things. One, excellent editing. I said excellent editing. Thank you. And, um, wow. Also, wait. He gave you a compliment, uh, Sean. I'm, I'm show-stopping moment. I know. I'm suspicious. <laughs> well, yes. Well, no. Absolutely. Excellent editing yes. done by Sean, uh, who does who puts the show together ultimately at the end. But he does that by us all recording ourselves in our studios. So when we put it all together, it sounds like we're sitting in the same room. It's all alive. <laughs> it's my life's alive. <laughs> yeah, I think that the the major component apart from microphones and mixers and all that, is Zoom. That's something that really did make a difference. You don't get the cut out when you speak over each other, which we do quite a lot. Um, I think Zoom is fantastic. And just for a quick reference, I'm running an Allen & Heath Z10 mixer and an AT2100 microphone. And I'm running a very similar setup. I'm actually using a Behringer 802, 802 not the USB, the other one. And also an uh, ATR, uh, Audio-Technica ATR2100. For the price, that mic is probably one of the best low-cost mics you can get, quite honestly. It's really, really good. So, yeah, using that. And uh, I think all three of us now are using Audacity, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and that mic that you've got, and I, I am quite envious of that one. I didn't buy it. I got the Sennheiser. Um, let's just say it, uh, it appeared in my possession. Let's just not, <laughs> let's just move on from that. Um, but you know, hey, I work in radio. What are you going to do? Um, so I got this, and it's great. But um, the, the one you've got, it's got XLR, so that's got the three-pin connection, which is analog, and it's also got USB yep. as well. Is that right? Yeah, it's amazing. So you can use both at once. So it's great for setting up a, a mix minus in Skype. If you're still using Skype, you can use the USB port for that and use the XLR to your mixer. It's great. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the whole thing about the recording locally is really important. Zoom is great. It can even record as well, so you don't even need to have a mixer. You could buy, for example, uh, you know, each of you could have a, a USB microphone plugged into a MacBook or a laptop because uh, Zoom works on any platform, Windows or PC, or indeed any uh, smart device as well. You could, in theory, run it all off an iPhone. Uh, yeah. If you got the right um, connection, there's a little microphone I use uh, or used to use. I don't use it so much anymore, but it's a Shure MV88. And that's Shure, S-H-U-R-E, MV88. And what that does is it connects, it uses the lightning port at the bottom of the iPhone. And you can use that as an external mic. 
Now, if you team that up, and I have done when I've been doing external reports for my work, I plug that into the bottom of the phone, um, and I connect up via Zoom or by Skype, and I can then just speak away, and you get brilliant broadcast quality sent back to the studio, um, which is incredible. You know, and you can do all this with a phone. And if you're just if you're at an event, you want to interview someone, you know, use voice memos, connect the the phone to the little uh, microphone. And that's you. You have a broadcast option when it comes to doing interviews. If you want to do your own podcasts, upload them. Things like Anchor. Um, there are many more out there. There's lots of them now. You can get, you know, uh, the ability to just upload directly. Yeah. Um, you know, that's brilliant. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah, it's so do. simple and easy. The apps make it so much nicer. And uh, yeah, I've been checking out Ferrite Studio on iPhone recently. That's so, so amazing. Oh, yeah, that's and very accessible. Yeah, it's isn't it? very accessible. And, and really, to get the full version is only like $30. A lot of it's usable for free, but then to get some more advanced features is only like $30 one time purchase. So, yeah, you can use something like that. I've had a couple times early on in Double Tap, I did this once because I had a last minute change. And then our WWDC coverage that we did earlier this year, I did this. I actually have an XLR. Uh, converter that I can plug my ATR2100 mic into and it converts it to plug into my iPhone so I can connect with oh. that in, and talk with you guys on Zoom that way and we had, I believe we just had Zoom record me during that, we actually recorded all of us and mm -hmm. it worked really well so yeah it, it, there's so many wonderful ways to do it and you don't have to spend a lot of money quite honestly to okay, make it sound really good. We don't want competition that's the last thing we need, Let's let's move on Oof. This someone's, is true. Someone's yeah. getting nervous about their career, right? Okay. <laughs> Believe in yourself, Sean. Uh, right, let's get to Bilal's email. I hope that helped, Michael, by the way. I really hope that did. And uh, thank you for getting in touch again. Uh, if you want to get in touch, we'll give you the phone number. Uh, Tim knows it off by heart by now. I have to go and get my notes. Tim, <laughs> what's the phone number? The phone number is one 509 and uh, Sean, what's the email address? The email address is feedback at ami.ca. And can I tell you something? We didn't edit that at all. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, right, let's get to Bilal's email. Uh, hello to you, Bilal. Has anyone noticed a loss of battery life after updating to Windows 10 1903? I just got a new Asus ZenBook 14, which is a nice lightweight ultra book. When I got the laptop, it was on 1809, but when I updated to 1903, my battery started draining faster than normal. I am registered blind and I don't need the brightness, so I set it to 0%. The battery usually lasts 15 hours on this laptop, but after updating to 1903, rubbish battery life. Does anyone have a fix that will save me sending the laptop back to Asus? Thanks. Bilal. Ah, okay. Well, that's an interesting one. I mean, I must admit, even if you put the screen to zero, that often doesn't turn the screen off on laptops. It tends to keep it just at a certain level of brightness, which I never really understand. Uh, Sean, I think you know the answer to this one. Surprisingly, I do. Yes, I've been... Yeah. Draw... <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I put myself under the bus there. You no, did, I've, yeah. I've been looking around and... Um... It does seem to be a known issue with this update, 1903. Um, not just on your particular brand, but on lots of different brands. I've, I've seen in many forums that people are having the same issue. As for fixing the problem, hmm, it's a bit tricky, but um, one thing you can try, um, there's a new option called Fast Startup in Windows 10 1903. Um, I won't go into it, but it is a battery drain. So you could try disabling that. It is enabled by default. Um, it's a bit of a pain to get to, but if you open the start menu and type power settings and hit enter, this will bring up the Windows 10 settings. 
Tap through that until you come to something like related settings or related links. Hit enter on that and then tap through until you hear change what the power buttons do. Again, hit enter on that and keep tapping through until you find a tick box for enable fast startup. So if you uncheck that, um, that will turn off that feature and that may help. It won't take you back to the 15 hours, you know, the original before the update, but it should help. But I'd say it's probably not worth sending it back to the manufacturer because the only thing they can really do is take it back to the previous Windows update. Basically, they'll just recover how it was when you got it out of the box, um, which would solve the problem. But of course, once you get it back, Windows 10 will update anyway, so you can't really avoid it. Um, now, I think this will be fixed. Uh, it does seem to be enough of an issue that I'm pretty sure there will be a, a minor Windows update to fix this problem. And there is the option of rolling back yourself. You can open Windows settings, open recovery, and you can roll back a Windows update to the previous update. But there are some limitations to that. It's got to be within 10 days of updating and it can cause problems with some installed apps. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. You could recover the laptop to its factory defaults, which is, again, how you got it when you got it out of the box. But then, of course, you've got to sort out all your data. So uh, personally, I think it's a case of grin and bear it. It will be fixed. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm stunned. I've got all Boris Johnson. I don't know. Uh, wow, I'm, I'm amazed, Sean. Round of applause. Round of applause. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Not patronising at all. No, uh, anyway, uh, hope that helped, Bilal. <laughs> um, okay, brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Uh, that That is quite interesting. Uh, let's get another email. This one's from Gordon. Hi, Double Tappers. This is a message for Sean. Uh-oh. I think there is a viable alternative to seeing AI, although I'm afraid you need to pay for it. <laughs> I recently purchased Envision during their summer sale because I was so impressed with it when I tried it on a free trial. The instant reading function is excellent, in my view much better than seeing a eyes short text. It is now my go-to app for quickly reading text. There is a color recognition feature which is very good if you limit it to the 30 basic colors. I've found it to be much more accurate than other color detection apps. I've used the find persons function to check whether there is someone sitting on a cycle machine at the gym as this helped avoid embarrassment which would have resulted if I tried to climb onto the same bike. Searching for people, the app buzzed when my phone pointed at a person. The object recognition isn't an instant scan, but can be used when you tell the app what to look for from the list of objects it can recognize. This feature is also reasonably good, if not 100% accurate. The big problem with Envision is the price, although there is a monthly subscription available. Whether it is worth paying the full price for a lifetime subscription obviously depends on individual circumstances, but it was definitely worth paying the sale price. Give it a try if you can get it on a free trial. I think you will be impressed. I loved all those demonstrations the team gave in the last show. More of that, please. It's a great help. Gordon. Yeah, guys. Yeah, Tim. More of that, please. <laughs> yeah, more of that. <laughs> more Which of one that, of us had a special feature they were doing, and it was three weeks went by, and I don't think it ever got done. Oh, ooh, it's got a well, bit awkward. <laughs> Sorry, again, I don't know what's going on with your microphones today, guys. I can't hear a thing over here. Um, right. Uh, well, first of all, I, I think, Sean, it is over to you again, because uh, we are talking about the speak app you uh, talked about yeah. last week. 
um, and, and definitely sounds like it was a, a viable alternative, um, but there might be more. Well, yeah, I did mention in the piece that Envision was available. Um, I, you know, I haven't gone into it in detail. Um, I, I know it is a good app, and I know it is an alternative. Uh, Tim, I'm going to throw it back to you because I know you talked about Envision not long ago. Yeah, it was a little while back. I did a demonstration of Envision AI and by accident compared it to Seeing AI because if, if anybody remembers, I was waiting and waiting and Envision never ever scanned what I was wanting it to scan. And so I went over to, to Microsoft Seeing AI and it gave me the information I needed right away. So yeah, in my experience with it when I did that demonstration a while back... It, I wasn't as impressed with it, but maybe there's been an update since then. I don't know. But, yeah, my, my experiences weren't all that great. Oh, harsh. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think the main thing is that uh, maybe we've been a bit spoiled by the free aspect of seeing AI. And it does yes. work well. And let's, let's not get all teary-eyed about it. It's not perfect by any means. Oh, no. But I think it has got a lot of polish to it, and it is very easy to use. And that is something I do like. I, look, the Speak app did... Absolutely fine. Uh, it wasn't terrible by any means, but it just lacked that extra bit of polish, that ease of use. That's not easy for me to say. The ease of use, I think, was actually missing from that. So I'm not dissing it. Uh, uh, everyone should try it out. But um, yeah, I don't think it's quite not up there with seeing AI, at least for me. Yeah, I'm never going to ever complain about many options, to, especially us in this community, to have actual <laughs> options that are accessible that can, that can do these exactly. kind of things. So, yeah. yeah, can't really complain about that. No, and I think ultimately it always is the same, isn't it? When something's free, you either think it's terrible because it's free, but ultimately... If you use it and it's good, then when something comes along that you pay for, you think, oh, I'm not paying that. That's ridiculous. I can have it all for <laughs> yeah. free. Um, but it is worth maybe trying these things out uh, for sure. Um, right, look, I want to get a couple more messages in before we go because we've had so many emails in from our listeners. Uh, let's get to a call, actually, from Anthony Hodgetts. Hi, uh, this is Anthony Hodgetts calling from Calgary, Alberta for uh Double tap the radio show over at AMI and probably double tap the uh, TV show as well. Yes, you can use this on the air. Um, Stephen Scott, you rock. I didn't think your show would last more than one show, but I do enjoy the fact that it's there. I don't quite understand why you put it on TV. Can you kind of enlighten us as to the process when you guys were thinking this out? Because um, most of our people are blind. So, like, what would TV do? I'm sure there's something I'm missing. I do love the fact that you have guests on TV. What is your guest protocol? In other words, where do you look for guests? I'm glad that you're bringing people on from AMI, but could you please look outside the AMI Toronto family? You just never know who's out there, man. Anyway, I love the fact when you guys have Canadians on your talk show on AMI-audio. I wish you had more of them. I think it would be a good thing since it is called uh, Canada, right? Anyhow, I just wanted to say great job on the Juita Gupta show on the iPhones. So please keep up the great work and have a great day. Thank you, Anthony, uh, for getting in touch. Um, why am I on the television? I, it's the very same question my wife asks me fairly regularly. Um, why? 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 Uh, but ultimately, um, so simple answer to that question, Anthony, is we're not all blind. And that's actually a really key thing. Uh, there are lots of people out there, millions of people, in fact, who've got you know some useful vision. 
And that's exactly what a tech show on TV is all about. And, uh, you know, you've got to understand, we've just started this journey. Um, you know, I'll be honest, when AMI approached me and said, let's do television, I was like, really? Um, I, I, I then sent them a picture of myself, so they were absolutely sure they wanted to go ahead with this. Um, and uh, they still uh, went ahead with it. So, um, yeah, either someone's having a really good laugh at me, or um, actually, this is actually a great idea, which I think it is. Um, because ultimately, the show is all about, um, you know, showcasing technology for uh, for everybody. But ultimately, you know, I think partially sighted people will benefit from being able to see some of the tech we're talking about. Um, and you know what? It gives us more time on the air and AMI, which I'm all for, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, if you, not only the visual aspect of it, but it just means you do reach more people so you know it's it's a win yeah. on every aspect i think yeah absolutely and look you know like i say we, we only did four episodes to see if this was a, a you know something that could fly um right it, it did fly it seems uh people seemed to like it so that's good um and hey i, I just turn up so it's all good for me um but yeah i'm looking forward <laughs> to the next few weeks uh when we when we get started and you know we get lots of new ideas coming through and lots of new uh tech to showcase and all of that I think it's going to be quite exciting and as for guests uh, who are of the Canadian variety uh, appearing not just from AMI in Toronto, yeah you're absolutely right Anthony, we're going to be looking outside that field and hey you might be one of them so you know let us know if you want to come on we'd love to hear from anybody who wants to get involved in the show there may have been a, a not so subtle hint i believe in that message i'm thinking, Steven, yeah, I'm thinking that, that yes. might be the case uh not so subtle though no. uh feedback yeah. at ami.ca is indeed our email address tim tell them the phone number again Stephen, that number is one 509 we're almost out of time before we go uh, I just want to say, first of all, thank you to all the calls and, and those of you who've emailed as well. Thank you for getting in touch. Keep getting in touch, asking questions. If there's something you want to get off your chest, then this is the place to do it. As long as it's about tech. You know, we don't do money problems or relationship issues. We really don't do that. Well, not on air, um, just between us. No, or, definitely or not. We? Uh, um. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to hand over to Sean, who's going to close the show this week for us, uh, because we're going to learn all about Android Q as it becomes 10. Uh, they've decided to move away from desserts. But actually, for good news for all of us, uh, they're moving towards a much more accessible version of Android. Sean, over to you. So we can all agree, I think, that tech is amazing. But there's always been one aspect of tech that's been incredibly boring. And that's the names. Windows 3.1. Windows 10 1903. iOS 13. RS 232. I mean, naming conventions in tech are usually just mind-numbingly tedious. But then we had Android. Naming each new version of Android after a dessert was just inspired. It made it stand out from the crowd and created a buzz around each new version as people tried to guess what the name would be. I mean, who didn't love... <gasps> Cupcake, donut, eclair, froyo, whatever that is, gingerbread, honeycomb, ice cream sandwich, jelly bean, Kit Kat, lollipop... <gasps> Marshmallow, Nougat, Oreo and pie. Whew. Well, forget all that because Google have now decided that they're going to ditch the dessert, say so long to the sweets and pack up the puddings. They're going to revert back to just boring old version numbers, which means the next version of Android, instead of being Android Q, will now be Android 10. <sighs> Anywho, seeing as Android 10 is only weeks away from release, well, 
probably. I'm going to give you a very quick rundown of some of the new exciting accessibility features we all need to know. First up, dark mode. Yes, everybody loves dark mode because nobody wants to burn their retinas out. Visually impaired or sighted, dark mode is a favourite. Dark mode replaces that dazzling white background you find in apps and menus such as settings or a Chrome browser with a nice, cool, black background with white text on top. For low vision and partially sighted people, it's far less jarring, less eye strain and easier to read. And for everyone, it's better battery life, at least on OLED screens. Dark mode is great, it's coming to Android and probably every major operating system you'll see this year. Now I think this one is really cool. It's live transcribe. If you're deaf or hard of hearing, or have a problem with your speech, this could be great. Google describes it as real-world captioning, which is exactly what it does. When it's running, Live Transcribe will listen out for any spoken words and turn it into text on the screen. The speed and accuracy of which it does this is really impressive. And what's more impressive is that all the voice recognition is done on the device itself. You don't need any internet connection at all. Amazing! And also using this technology is something called real-time captioning. This means that anything you play back on your phone, be that a video you've recorded yourself, a podcast, a YouTube video, whatever, Android will be able to give real-time captioning to whatever's being said. And again, this is all done on device. You can even use it in airplane mode. And now I'm just waiting for real-time audio description. There's also improvements for people with dexterity issues. Firstly, we have the accessibility menu. If you have a problem performing gestures or using physical buttons such as the volume up or down on a device, then this on-screen menu will help. This menu features large on-screen buttons to do tasks such as volume up or volume down, control the screen brightness, bring up notifications or bring up the recently used apps. Also, there's voice control, which, as the name suggests, allows you to control your phone just using your voice. You can open apps, navigate around and activate items just by saying simple commands. Obviously great if you have problems using the touchscreen. There's also improvements to switch control, which allows users to use a simple hardware device such as a joystick or even a single button to move around the screen. Android 10 sees the addition of a text editing menu, meaning that switch users can select, copy, cut and paste text far quicker. When it comes to vision, there's not that many improvements to talk back, although we are promised it will be even more responsive. One nifty little feature, though, is the accessibility timeout control. This allows you to set how long an on-screen element stays on screen. So, for example, if you press one of the volume buttons, you get volume sliders appear on the screen. Using the accessibility timeout, you can set how long they stay there, which gives you time to actually get to them, which is nice. Also, of course, we have the Google Lookout app. Now, this isn't inside Android 10, but still, I think it's worth a mention as it does seem pretty impressive. Not only can it detect and tell you what objects are in front of the camera, 
but it can also tell you where they are. So for example, it could say coffee machine at 11 o'clock. It can also scan barcodes and read currency and read short text. Seeing AI, anybody? So there you go. That's the accessibility features that I'm really looking forward to in Android 10. What did I miss? Let us know. Feedback at ami.ca or call 1-866-509-4545. That's it. We're out of time. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Say bye. 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 This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.